Welcome to the Purpose and Principles podcast. I'm Max Brown, and my guest today is Becky Robinson. Becky is the CEO of Weaving Influence, and she's the founder and CEO, I should say, and it's an online influence building company, which we're going to talk more about today. She works with authors and thought leaders to help them show up online in the same powerful and compelling ways that they show up in real life. I also would like to say that Becky is a good friend, and I'm grateful that you could join me on the show, Becky. I'm, I'm grateful that we're, you know, we're hosting and entertaining for the last several weeks now uh, many of your authors on this show because you bring a lot of good people to, to bear, and I'm glad that we're able to get their, their information out to a lot of listeners. It has been so great to hear our clients on your show, Max, and those have been some really powerful conversations. I'm glad I get to be a part of one also. I'm, I'm super grateful. And I would like to start with, you know, you're an entrepreneur, Becky, and a lot of people out there listening and thinking, man, someday I would love to do my own thing. But could you kind of tell us how this journey's been for you? I know you've been doing this for a number of years, but kind of walk us through your journey. And, you know, some people think, wow, they just arrive and everything's great and beautiful and, you know, everything is beautiful. It, but but I would say that there's probably a little bit more to it. Is that fair to say? Uh, certainly so. And I'll just start by saying I've never taken a business class, nor have I ever taken a marketing class. And now, you know, eight years in as a business owner, I, you know, lead a marketing agency. So um, one of the key things about my journey is that I didn't really necessarily ever have a vision in my life to become a business owner. So prior to starting my company, if I go back now more than a decade to about 2008, at the time I was staying at home with my three daughters, I was homeschooling my daughters, and my sole focus was on being a wife and mother. And one day my husband said to me, Becky, what will you do at some point eventually when our children are in school? What will you do for a career? And Frankly, what I did, Max, was laugh at him uh, because his own career was quite demanding. He was gone from the house 12 hours a day. The girls were small. And I hadn't really ever been a super ambitious woman from a career perspective. I really had always more of this desire for cultivating family. And so when Eric asked me that question, the only thing that came into my mind was that I I have a long-term love of reading and writing. And so I said, well, you know, maybe I could explore some freelance writing. And I thought freelance writing could be a really flexible opportunity where I could still be the wife and mother that I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And so I started to dip my toes in the water of freelance writing a little bit. I ended up getting hired um, to do some writing for a university in West Virginia, which is when I really entered kind of online spaces, I got a Twitter account. I started learning social media marketing. So I actually wrote in the beginning a leadership blog. I got paid to write three leadership blogs every week. Um, and in the course of doing that leadership blog, I began to cultivate many of the relationships that would later fuel my business. Um, and one of the unique things about that really is that I showed up and I didn't have any particular agenda. So I think sometimes a drawback is when we have a vision for a business that we might want to create, we're already thinking about what we can ask for. Mm -hmm. But when I wrote that leadership blog, you know, I was checking the boxes of making money by writing the posts. And so when I went out to other leadership bloggers, it was with a really pure heart of, you know, how can we collaborate? In what way um, can I get to know what you're doing and support you? And so early on, I met a lot of the folks um, 
that I am still collaborating with today, probably including you, Max. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that what worked about that was I was building a network before I needed it. I was showing up, having people get to know who I was and really creating genuine win-win relationships. And And I wasn't asking really for anything. Now, to be fair, I remember one of the first breaks I got, it was from Dan McCarthy. Dan owns uh, Great Leadership by Dan, which is a really popular leadership blog. And I remember sending a pitch to Dan. I had written a blog post about leadership and motherhood. And I sent him a pitch. And, you know, I get many of those pitches today where a blogger is looking for an opportunity to expand their influence. So I was, to be fair, asking for something. I was asking Dan, would you mention my blog or would you take this guest post from me? And it was such a magical moment when he said yes. Mm, I love it. Um, So that's a little bit of the history in terms of where I started Eventually, what happened was I got introduced to this amazing woman, and I know you know her, Whitney Johnson. Mm -hmm. And Whitney was one of the first people who had asked me to do some work on her behalf as she brought her first book into the world back in 2012. And even though a few other people had asked me along the way, you know, hey, would you like to support my book launch? I had said no to most of them, but there was something different about Whitney and her message that compelled me to say yes. And by saying that first yes to Whitney as my first book launch client, what I discovered was Whitney needed more than what I individually was prepared to provide. And so that compelled me to begin to look for a team that could provide more comprehensive service services to clients. And I really got this vision of what if I could create a business that was bigger than me and what if other women and men, you know, might need flexible opportunities so they can be the parents that they want to be in the world. And what if I could create that for them by choosing to invest in building a business? So that's really where it all started for me was this idea of creating opportunities for others while doing great work for the clients that came my way. It's it's a great story. And and the names you're bringing up, I think about Dan or Whitney Johnson or others that we all know. Um, and I smile. I smile because you've created this beautiful network of people that we both get to associate with. And it's a beautiful thing. And for those who are listening, particularly those who are just getting started, I hope that they can just hear these nuggets, you know? You wanted to be of value and you offered that value. You weren't asking for a lot at the beginning. You were actually just trying to figure out how to be a contributor, and I think people really appreciate con- contribution, right? And being a contributor. Had you gone to Dan, for instance, the first time and said, hey, you know, I'd love to do something for you, but not had anything for him to look at, might've been harder. But you brought something with you. You had a solution, you had an offer. And I just think that's fantastic. I'm not sure who said it to me, but one of the things that has become clear to me across the whole journey is that you have to be willing to add value before you can extract value. And I think that philosophy has served me well. Mm -hmm. One of the core values that has driven the development of my company is generosity. Mm -hmm. And that's not only financial generosity, but it's also generosity of ideas and creativity and energy and support and creativity. And so I'm always looking to see how I can add that value to others far in advance of ever wanting to extract that value back. I love that. And for me, I call that the abundance mentality. (laughs) I just do. And I believe in it. And when I work with people that have it, I just, I love it. It makes my day, it makes my day better. And when when I see people who don't have it, it actually sucks me dry a little bit. You know, it just, it, it gets me a little bit tired. 
And I can still work with them, but I'm more leery. I'm more aware that they're just looking for something but not trying to contribute something. And so it's it's helpful when I know someone just wants to be out there and sharing and creative and abundant and trying to help encourage people to flourish and to thrive and not just be worried about what's in it for them. Definitely so. It's definitely something that I try to instill in my team so that we can show up that way with our clients as well. I love it. And I think it I think it reflects well because I I've, I've met many of your clients and it and it feels awesome. What are some of the big lessons you've learned along the way? What are what are the, some of the things you know over this journey that you say, "Wow, I've learned some 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 big stuff." I have definitely learned some big stuff. Um, One of the things that I've learned is the importance of continuing to show up as who I am in the world. And, you know, just even in ways both big and small. And these are some lessons I've learned from our clients as well. Um, I think you had Nate Regeer on a recent show. And one of the things I learned from Nate is in communication situations that you have to start at open. And what I found is if I can start at open and be honest and authentic about what I might be experiencing, whether that's with a team member or whether that's with a client, it helps make those relationships stronger, create a better collaboration. And so really showing up with the best of who I am, the realness of who I am has been an important part. I think especially in the way I lead my team. And, you know, sometimes it means that I feel vulnerable when I show up with my team. So during this recent COVID crisis, especially, it has been a helpful way to connect with my team, to to be honest about the fears that I've faced, to be honest about the struggle, about the difficulty to really communicate to them that we're all in it together. And, you know, not not in a way where I show up and say, hey, the sky is falling. But when I share as transparently as I can about the reality of our business outlook and what we all need to do to stick together and continue to work hard and be successful together. So there have definitely been moments where I show up and I cry. And, um, and that has resulted in my team really expressing their appreciation of, you know, thank you. I can see how much you care about me. I can see how much you care about this company. And it has helped us to be a much closer and tighter knit team in terms of our supported and connected relationships. Mm. So that's that's one. I think, you know, a lesson also with that is this idea that the company is bigger than me. Mm. And you know, if I'm only thinking about how I can fuel my own income or my own comfort in the world, then my motivation is going to be much lower Mm. than if I really see that this company is about the team that we're building together. Mm. It's about each of their individual lives and what they're looking to get out of their life and work. And when I can focus on the fact that we are like a movement together of people, each of their individual lives is critically important, this work matters to them, then Um, there's a different sense of motivation for me that kicks in. Mm -hmm. And I think I've shared this story on a a different podcast before, but one of the most powerful moments for me as a business owner was last fall. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm right now in my ninth year of business. So after about, you know, seven years in business, I made the leap of investing in an in-person gathering for my team. Mm -hmm. And there were many of us who uh, were together for a couple of days. And when we sat in a room, all of us together, and different people had the chance to share about what being a part of the company has meant to them and to their families, it was just such an important moment of seeing that this, that it matters that, uh, you know, 
it's not always easy to be a business owner. There certainly are sacrifices and challenges and heartaches associated with it. Um, but just being able to see that the people are what are really important. So the team and the clients, it's really all about the people. And obviously, you know, in order to have a sustainable business, we need to pay attention to things like profit margin and the P&L and, you know, all of those different levers in the business. Um, but it, if I can stay focused on the people, all that stuff tends to fall into place. Wow. You know, I, I hope more leaders can feel inspired and more confident in what you just said, that if I focus on the people, the the money and the, you know, the numbers typically will fall into place. And I found that to be very true, whether it's in a small business or in a large, large company where, you know, they're publicly traded and have to push those quarterly results on a regular basis. Anything that you wish you would have known sooner along the way or that today that in hindsight you say, ooh, that would have been good to know earlier? Sure. Um, there are lots of those lessons as well. Um, I've had a few heartaches and bumps along the way with hiring decisions that turned not so great. And one of the things that I got stuck in is this desire to help or fix others. And so I wish I had known earlier on to be careful with who I chose to add to my team and to be sure that I was adding them because there was a values match and a need match in terms of their skills and abilities and to be less concerned about being the hero by creating an opportunity for someone. I've had my share of heartaches over friends that I've hired. And then in the end, the friendship is irreparably harmed when the work doesn't work out. Um, and I wish I had known to be more careful of that along the way. Um, I think another thing would be to manage the ups and downs in a more effective way. So I think earlier on in my business, uh, Max, I would take so many things personally. If I got negative feedback from a client, or I didn't close a deal that I really wanted. Um, I put myself on this unnecessary roller coaster of being driven by people's opinions of me or of my company. And I wish I had figured out earlier on how to really be confident in what I was offering, you know, how to be, how to receive feedback, but not let it crush me. <laughs> um, and I think early on, there was a lot of unnecessary heartache with that. Um, even in recent times with COVID, I think one of the lessons that has stood out to me that I wish I had known earlier is this idea that if I focus on people, everything else will fall into place. Um, there have been moments during the COVID crisis where I look at our pipeline and our planned work out, and I panic because I look out several months and the numbers look bad. Mm -hmm. And here's what I have discovered, Max, and if it's okay, I want to just reflect on my faith mm -hmm. for a moment. God always provides what we need. And I, I was blown away this morning because I met with my team member and we were looking at the numbers and it hasn't been the easiest year, but we're really not that far off of last year. And I love that God's provision is something that I can count on. And it's not a sure thing. I have to have faith. The numbers don't always look good but we're still here. And I know there are no guarantees that we'll still be here next year or the year after. And I have to be faithful to what I have right now. Um, but I wish I had learned earlier on that there will be ups and downs. There will be times that it looks bleak or scary. And then just when I think it's bleak or scary, you know, new work comes in the door or an email lands in my inbox and someone wants to work with us or someone says yes to a proposal that I've written. And it's without fail. Hmm. It's something that I can count on and be confident about. 
I'm telling you, Becky, I'm just smiling from ear to ear, and I, I hope my smile and your smile and your heart, your heart is radiating through this show right now. I just love your vulnerability. I hope people, I mean, I'm just saying amen, all right? I'm just going to say <laughs> big amen to what you just shared, because I agree, it's so important for us to have hope. So what do you do right now when you get some negative feedback that might have been different before, and you said, you know, hey, I, I kind of responded to it differently in the past, and today... How do you respond that maybe helps you to overcome it in a better way? Huh. Well, that's an ongoing journey. Yeah. Yep. And so I don't know that I have any really easy answers. Yep. I can see the contrast mm -hmm. between how I was before and how I was now. Yeah. So one of my most extreme memories, mm -hmm. we talked about vulnerability. Early on in my company, maybe like year two, when I got some negative feedback and I literally laid on the floor of my office crying about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It has been a really long time before some dif since difficult feedback has sent me into that type of reaction. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think now trying to be objective to see what, what is true, what can I improve? You know, where did the breakdown happen? Um, it's not, it's not necessarily personal, even though it feels that way. Mm -hmm. And so using more critical feedback as a, a tool to improve yeah. and a place for reflection mm -hmm. has been a help, certainly. Um, also, really understanding that sometimes we're not the right fit for everyone. And yeah. so there are times that we might sure. say yes to work, and it wasn't the right work to begin yeah. with. And so being willing to move on from that or to take responsibility for the the part in terms of our delivery that isn't working and to make it right, and then potentially to move on. Well, give great feedback. You know, you had me reflecting on a, um, a, a an experience about two years ago. I was speaking at a large corporation where the CEO was in the attendance. And, and I always know that when I'm speaking to add value to the customer and not to add value to, or, or to not worry about what they're thinking about me, then I'm in, I'm in this flow. I'm in this energy that is in service to the client. When I'm more concerned about what, what they're thinking about me, then I often find that my speaking becomes less effective, less influential. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with the podcast. I find that guests who are out here just sharing value and being very honest and talking, not because we're trying to sell or because we're trying to do something different, but because we're really trying to add value to people to learn and to be able to gain nuggets from what we've learned, that it's powerful. So in that keynote two years ago, the CEO in the middle of my keynote stands up and walks out of the room. I was floored. I was floored. I knew who he was. We had talked before the event and he gets up and walks out of the room and I went, oh my word, what did I just do? And so I'm, I'm advancing my next slide, looking at my slide thinking, how am I going to recover from this, right? Wow. And I thought, I thought we were done. And when it was over, um, they, people came up to me and said, oh my word, let's do this again. Let's have you at another event. And I went, really? I thought, I thought you know, you guys didn't. No, we loved it. And the CEO came over to me, he goes, no, I was actually meeting with some investors. I had a Wall Street call I had to do. And, <laughs> I, and I had to take the call with Wall Street. And then I came back in, no. And they invited me to do two or three other engagements after that. But isn't it interesting, the assumptions we make about ourselves and about what we're seeing and how we could overreact or even misinterpret critical feedback. Now, I started thinking of, like you did, when I do receive this feedback, what are the ways I can improve? But I love the way you just framed it because I think we should all remember that, particularly in a social mm -hmm. media world where there's a lot of negative sound bites, that we shouldn't personalize all of it. 
yes, that could be really dangerous and really discouraging. (laughs) (laughs) It can be. It so can be. So I appreciate you just sharing these pieces. In your nature of your work, as we talked about in the introduction, you know, you work with a lot of authors and thought leaders. Who do you look for or what sticks out for you when you're meeting with a potential client and you think, wow, this person's got something that needs to be shared with the world? Sure. Well, definitely, we always want to be careful to choose projects and people that we're passionate about supporting. Mm -hmm. And so for the most part, since I've been in business, we have been drawn to projects where there is a synergy between the client's values and purpose in the world and our company and organizational values. Mm -hmm. And that definitely stands out. I think um, along the way, it's really important to identify what that author is trying to achieve in the world and being really clear about whether or not the outcomes that they're anticipating are possible or that we're able to create results and create traction for them. Mm-hmm. So I try really hard. I'm the core business development person. So I typically am the one who has the first conversation with the client. And one of the questions I always ask is, what's the job you want this book to do for you in the world? Mm -hmm. And it's helpful to make sure the client is really clear about what they're trying to accomplish, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't make sense to invest in marketing support if you're not clear on what the outcome is that you want to get out of that. So, you know, when I meet with possible clients, I always want to know, you know, what do you want to achieve? What else? And I'm sure you know this too, Max, that selling books is really, really difficult. It is. And even authors that I've partnered with who have written and published two or three or four or more books in the world, when it's time to bring a new work into the world, you have to be exceedingly strategic and you have to be sure that the investment that you're making is going to achieve the outcome that you expect and hope for. So, um, always want to talk with authors about that bigger picture goal that they have beyond selling books. And quite often it is about the legacy that they want their ideas to have in the world. And Mm -hmm. and if so, um, that's something that we are exceedingly prepared to to deliver. Mm -hmm. Um, So really thinking about, you know, what does it take to get beyond the noise in our culture Mm -hmm. to bring new ideas to light and to make a difference through people's ideas. And when we're aligned with clients on that common shared goal of making a difference through content, we are typically more successful with them. One thing that I've noticed along the journey is that I always am in this place of being a learner. And we've launched 140 plus books. And each of those authors and thought leaders has something that I can learn from. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that my job is keeping me in this constant state of being exposed to new perspectives and ideas and learning, and that my team also has the opportunity to learn mm-hmm. in, in the same way from the books that we're supporting. It's beautiful. You know, one of the other guests that we had on from, from, from your current client group, Lisa Fain, talked about being curious. Just be more curious. And I love that. I link curiosity with humility because as we are curious and we, and we have a level of humility, we also want to help and be of service to others. And in that motive, I can feel when people are trying to be supportive and helpful. And as a leader, that's an extremely inspiring place, right? Like I want to follow a leader who I honestly know has my back and not just their own back. Hmm. I want to follow a leader who wants to go and has a vision that I can support and follow. And I love that when I know that they're out there asking those questions because they genuinely care about the individual and not just about their own agenda. 
So what you're saying is really important, right? Purpose, clarity of purpose, and why we have a purpose, and what is your purpose beyond just selling the book, and what are you hoping to achieve beyond this? I wish, frankly, I would have been able to um, engage your services when I launched my book. (laughs) You know, these are the things, right? Because the purpose is so important, and that's why I do this show. We've got to get through the noise and help people know that, hey, there's real value in doing these things in a fundamentally kind and thoughtful way, but also can be strategic and create value and make profit by doing it well. Yes to all of that, Max. (laughs) I love it. I just love it. So what brings you hope for your future? Becky, where are you going? And, you know, I mean, we've been smiling a ton. I wish everyone could see, you know, on this radio show, I do the video because I love talking to my guests like we're, you know, face-to-face. And so I love the face-to-face. What makes you smile and brings you hope for the future? Well, I mentioned before this idea that the work keeps showing up and God always provides what we need. So I definitely have hope for the future and knowing that there's a bigger purpose to my being on the planet um, than just creating a business, but that the people matter. So definitely my team, I'm always amazed by their talent, their dedication, their discipline, and day-to-day interacting with my team is something that gives me hope and makes me smile. Also, connection with not only the team and not only our clients, but with this wider network of relationships that we're building in the world. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I do a lot of in my work is I host our clients on webinars. And the webinars have guests and the guests who come to our webinars are people who have become a part of my world Mm -hmm. and I'll get notes from them on email or in the chat on the the events. And so really seeing how my own influence has expanded beyond the team and the clients to this larger network of people who look to my company Mm -hmm. as a place where they can learn and grow and be exposed to great thought leaders and authors. And that gives me a lot of hope because that is something that's always able to be expanded. And so influence is something that takes a long time to build, but it's absolutely worth it because for each person who attends a webinar or participates in one of our book launches, that is changing and shaping their lives as well. And I'm inspired by that. We're speaking with Becky Robinson, the CEO at Weaving Weaving Influence. And um, Becky, this conversation for me has been super, super fun. What would you hope people remember from this conversation today? We've talked about a lot of different things. For those who are just trying to summarize it in their own head, you know, and they, they've listened to this and they've taken some notes, but what would you hope people take away and feel uh, remember from this? So I think what's standing out for me, Max, is the focus that you and I have had about people, that people matter, that we have the chance to bring value to people in the world, and that if we have a generous focus on others, that the provision will be there. So I hope that people will remember that I firmly believe that when you're willing to show up in a way that gives value to others and is generous, that it's not possible to give more than what comes back. And the work will show up when you need it to. I love it. Becky, where can people find more information? Sure. I'll share two places. Our company website is at weavinginfluence.com. And, you know, we have all the 
social channels to support that. You can find us all those places. Um, also, you can find me personally at BeckyRobinson.com. And most of my social handles are my first name and my last name without the vowels. So Becky RBNSN on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, all the same. And we also have a podcast for those who might be listening who are planning to market a book. Our podcast is the Book Marketing Action Podcast, and you can find it on all all the places. Um, but unless you're planning to write a book or already in the process of marketing a book, it probably won't be that interesting to you. So <laughs> if there are authors listening, we would love to have more listeners for our podcast too. I love it. And and I think that's a great idea. And maybe at some point we can do another show where you can talk more about that part of the business and how we can promote and, and influence ideas specifically to help people that are trying to get their ideas out. Sure. I'd be happy to come back anytime, Max. I love that, Becky. Thank you for being on the show today. And thanks to all our listeners um, out there every week. Please be safe, be wise, and have a great week. 